Another Way to Play, episode 61. Hello, hello. This is Kim Addis, president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching. If you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Strazino. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone I've been really looking forward to bringing on for quite some time. It is Kim Addis. Uh, She's the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching. Uh, That's a group that I actually hired when I was coming out of my Olympic journey and transitioning into my real estate one uh, to really help me uh, with my mindset, frankly. I was really struggling with with what I was perceiving as a big failure coming out of uh, the 2016 games. And through their coaching program, I actually heard of them on a on a different podcast. Reached out, uh, went through their program, and and came out the other side uh, just so much better and just having such a clearer perspective. So I was really excited when she agreed to come on the show and talk about it. Uh, with you guys. So in this one, we get into, as you can imagine, a lot of mindset stuff. Uh, We talk about Kim, how she knew that she wanted to be a leader, how she knew she wanted to help people. It was actually a dream she had about a high school bully and her being on a roller coaster. uh, I think when she said she was 12. Uh, And from there, that really changed the trajectory of what where she went um, and she gets into that. So you're going to want to listen for that story. And then broadly, we just get into a lot about assigning meaning to things, um, where we came up with stories that we're telling ourselves and why, uh, why we keep repeating them and, and, and gives me and you guys a chance to challenge those stories, redefine them, and uh, hopefully use that to springboard into a life that we are more excited about and is more fulfilling. So this is absolutely one of those episodes you're going to want to listen to a couple of times, probably take some notes on, um, and make sure that you spend a little bit of time with because there's so much information in this one. You're going to get value out of this one. I absolutely know it. But if you if you agree and you uh, or you're getting value out of the other episodes I put out, please head over to iTunes. Leave me a quick rating and review once you're done listening. It would really mean the world to me. It helps me gain critical feedback. I do read all of those uh, all of those reviews, and I absolutely implement what I hear, um, as well as it obviously helps boost the algorithm. So I'd really appreciate that if you could do that once you're done here. And without any further ado, guys, let's bring on our guest today, Kim Addis. Kim, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to have you on. I am super excited to be talking to you today. You and I have had some some a good relationship. I've had the fortunate uh, honor and pleasure of being on your show um, and also being a client of your guys' coaching program. Um, but maybe the audience hasn't ever heard of you. Uh, so why don't we back up? and build a little bit of context to talk about where your journey actually began and then get into your story from there. Okay, well, um, let's start, let's say, I, 
I'll give you a very interesting story. I remember being in grade seven, I was 12 years old, extremely shy person. Um, and where I grew up, high school started in grade seven. Mm-hmm. And we were a few months in, I had made a few friends. And what happened during lunch times is that we'd walk around the hallways during lunch, just walk around. It was a circular school. So we'd walk around the circle mm. every day. And I remember walking around the circle with uh, a friend of mine and I noticed this girl walking near me and she was tall, thin, her hair was thinking, thinning and she was missing a tooth. And, mm. and that kind of shocked me especially at the age of 12 years old, I wasn't really exposed to people like that at all. And so I kind of like looked at her maybe for a little longer than I needed to. She really didn't like that. She uh, stopped me. She pushed me against the wall. A crowd formed around her and she wanted to beat me up because I was staring at her. And I was terrified. I was completely kind of paralyzed. I'm not a fighter. I'm not in it to fight with people. And I'm like, oh, I'm really, really sorry. You know, I I apologize. I didn't want to fight with her. It wasn't my intention. I didn't want to hurt her. I was just kind of drawn to this thing that I, you know, this person that I had never been exposed to. Mm -hmm. Anyways, lo and behold, the teacher stepped in, broke up the fight. I wasn't fighting. I was just terrified, cowering in a corner. Mm -hmm. And she let me off the hook. But I dreamt about her for years after that. And... This is how the, the dream went. We were on a roller coaster ride together. I was her seatmate on that roller coaster mm-hmm. and we were having a conversation and the conversation was about how she could reform her life, how hmm. she could be kind to people, how she could be helpful to people, how she could be successful in life. And that was the conversation I had with her from the age of 12 years old in my brain. Wow. Fast forward, fast forward. First of all, I can still picture her in my mind. She's as clear as daylight for me. Uh, But fast forward, I run a coaching company. And what we do is we help leaders. We focus on, you know, highly driven individuals and we help them look at themselves internally, look at how they think and how their thinking helps them achieve or prevents them from achieving their goals. So you know, when I put those pieces together, I was wired to do this. I was wired to coach people. I was wired to help them get to a better side of themselves. You know, it was designed for this ever since I was a child. That's a really amazing story. And uh, it's, it's amazing that it came to you so early. Um, but I'm wondering if you had any sort of like, it, how, how did you take it from like, I had this weird dream where I'm just trying to help this person to like, this is what I'm wired to do. Well, I was always, you know, that kid as I grew up through high school that everybody came to talk to. I was that safe person that everybody came to talk to, no matter Mm. what group they belonged to. So if they were, you know, I I grew up in the eighties. So if they were from the preppy group, they would come to talk to me. If they were from the stoner group, they would come to talk to me. If they were from the, we had this, this clique, uh, anyways, I, it didn't matter where they belonged to. I right. fit into all of the groups and I was accessible to everybody. And I was that kind of voice of reason, the, the voice of wisdom. So it, it was something that I developed throughout my life. At the same time, very early on, I was encouraged to join Students' Council. We call mm-hmm. it Students' Council. Everybody makes fun of me. They think it's called Students' Council. But anyway, Students' Council. And uh, I was invited to join 
like leadership experiences, come to leadership camp, a leadership getaway. And, you know, to be seen as a leader for me was kind of eye-opening because at that age, I never thought of myself as a leader. But mm -hmm. the minute someone else thinks of you as a leader, the minute that you consider that option, you say, well, maybe, maybe that's who I am. And so from a very young age, I started studying leadership. So at first through high school, then as I got older, I became president of the Students' Council in what we call stage upper college. And then in university, I was involved as well. And, and then I studied leadership in school. In my undergraduate psych degree, I studied leadership as you know, my kind of focus of study. And through mm -hmm. my master's degree, I studied leadership. So I was always in the lead. And so you could say for the past 30 years, that was my area of focus. It's incredible how you, you, you just sort of outlined a couple of different stepping stones to get you into the place that you're at. You know, and, I, and I'm curious because I feel like a lot of people probably have those moments and, and whether, you know, a dream that sort of speaks to you or, um, you know, a couple of people along the way telling you, you should be a leader, you should be this or that or try this. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they listen or they take action on it or they believe it, right? Like how, and you do this now for a living, like how do you go about talking to someone who, helping them string together some of those experiences in their story to realize that they're actually a leader or a, you know, something that they're not identifying with currently? Well, there's two parts to that, right? So one of the things that we do when we coach people is in addition to having weekly phone calls, we ask them to journal in an online journal. And you know this very well, yes, right? And so what that does is like the conversations, the phone calls and the journals provide us with a great amount of data that we work with. And those data points allow us to string together patterns, patterns of behavior, patterns of experiences, patterns that allow us to see what a person values and from where they are operating. Are they operating from a place of confidence or fear? Are they operating from a place of self-doubt or are they uh, clear about where they wanna go and are completely driven and undistracted? So who are these people and historically, how have they operated? So that process allows us to very, very clearly understand how a person sees themselves, how they see the world around them, how they see people in the world around them and how they see opportunities and what behaviors they tend to engage in to maximize or leverage those opportunities. So our process enables us to really see things clearly and, and understand how history plays a role in the present and the future. Mm. Having said that, what I'm really interested in is how leaders think and how their thinking impacts their outcomes or their performance. And so what I'm looking at is what do you believe to be true and how do those beliefs determine what you do and what you don't do? So if I believe I don't deserve to be a leader or I believe that I don't have the skill sets, the intelligence to be a leader, I will never step up to a leadership role, even if someone invites me to do so. So my beliefs really dictate what happens and what doesn't happen, what's possible and what's impossible. And so mm -hmm. I'm really interested in looking at what a person believes to be true and seeing if those beliefs line up with their ultimate goals and desires. And when you, when you find somebody or if someone self-identifies as like, I, I have this set of experiences, but I feel totally different. Like if I've, if I've had, you know, I'm student government, you know, I've been part of like a bunch of different clubs in high school or college, 
you know, I've had some promotions, I've had success in my life, I've had great relationships, but I feel like I'm antisocial, let's just say, or I'm not a leader, I just kind of hang out in the corner. Um, how do you bridge that gap for people? Because their actions and their results are yeah. one thing, but then the way they feel is clearly very different. Yes. So, I mean, experiences give us some data points but then we wanna understand how they felt through those experiences. And so we're looking at emotional mm. state and we're looking at how they interpret those experiences. So if let's say you say, well, I was part of student government. Okay, that sounds like a leadership position. Then you might say, yeah, but you know, I wasn't the president, I was only the vice president. Mm. It's the story you tell about those experiences that are important. It's not the experiences in and of themselves. So I'll give you a perfect example. You ever watch like um, American Idol? Yes. You know, it's the show where there's a whole bunch of people who want to be number one in all of, right. you know, the United States, America. And we know how it works, right? Most people get voted off the show. And even the top 10, nine of those top 10 are going to be voted off the show. Same right. experience for nine people. Right. Right. Only one person wins. And those nine people interpret that experience completely differently. So some mm -hmm. people experience it as, you know, oh my God, I'm a failure again. I didn't win. And other mm -hmm. people think, wow, this was the greatest exposure of my life. My career has just begun. And right. so everybody takes it differently. Everybody interprets it differently. And that's yeah. what we do in our lives. So the experience is telling. It's, it's valuable. But how you go through that experience, how you tell the story of that experience is even more valuable. Yeah, uh, that's so well said, Kim, thank you. Cause I, I mean, when I first came to you guys and, and started working with one of your coaches, um, it was just a year or year and a half after I had finished up the Olympics. And uh, we finished fourth as many of my listeners know, cause I've talked about this a number of times now. Um, and, and most people would say that's pretty good. And that's, you know, you made it to the highest level and you were close and this and that. But I came away, you know, looking at that experience and, and frankly, my career for a really long time in rowing is a failure. And, you know, most people would be like, you achieved all these things. You won a bunch of races in college and afterwards, and you have all these different medals and these accolades, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I saw, I saw failure when I walked, when I looked in the mirror. And so you're, what you just said of like student government, you know, example of like, yeah, but I wasn't president. Like, okay, someone is, there's clearly a disconnect of like, they're not feeling empowered by, you know, they don't, they don't feel that they earned or deserved or identify with the, the title uh, with which they're, which what they have. Right. So I can completely resonate. And I'm sure that many others do too, because you can be out in the world you know, making money, getting a promotion, having a great relationship on the surface. But that doesn't mean that you feel fulfilled or you feel, you know, like it's the right thing or it, it feels positive or whatever the thing is. Well, and, and again, there's two parts to that. And I would say to you that a lot of people aren't even having a good time on the surface. They're not mm -hmm. having a good time at all. That's number one is when we look at, you know, I want to just go back to what you just said. You know, I came in fourth in fourth place, I won all these awards, I had all these accolades, and you know, I had all these medals, and I still felt like a failure. And what you're really telling me is that my value is tied to those medals and awards and the ultimate you know, Olympic medal. And the truth is that you made that up, you invented that connection, that your value 
is represented by an Olympic medal. And mm -hmm. truth is, it's unrelated completely. You made mm -hmm. that connection. So your belief was at the time, you know, I'm only valuable. I only bring something to the table when I achieve that particular medal, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so what does that mean about you when you think that way? That means I'm valueless unless this one thing happens in the world. And we want to challenge that. We want to look at that and think, you know, where did you get that idea from? And, and why are you so attached to it? Why are you holding it onto it so, uh, so vigorously? And let's really look at what's true because that mm -hmm. isn't exactly true. It's not true at all, in fact. Wow. So that's yeah, the that's... process we, we go through. And it's, it's amazing the way you're challenging that idea. You just said, it's just not true. You made it up and, and like, we have to go back and figure out where it came from and then, and then analyze it. Like it's a, it's a strong emotion in a language that you're using on this, as opposed to, you know, figure out your big why and like, you know, I, I don't know, whatever other kind of ideas and thoughts are out there. Right. But you're, you're really attacking this very, very forcefully. And I'm, I'm, can you expand on that and why that part's important? Yeah. So go back to this whole thing about figure out your big why. I really want to talk about that. You brought it up. So fair Let's game. Let's do right? it. <laughs> so, so everybody talks about like, figure out what your why is, figure out what your why is. The truth is your why, my why, his why, her why, we all have the same why. The reason we want anything is because we believe it's going to make us feel better going to create fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, something, yep. right? We all have the same why. Now your, the thing you're using to get to that why might be an Olympic medal. The thing that I might be using to get to that why might be growing, you know, the most massive coaching business in the world. It doesn't really matter, but that's why we're doing anything because we think it's going to positively impact our sense of self at the end mm -hmm. of the day. So for me, it's not the why that's so important. The real question is why not? What's stopping you? What's getting in the way of you feeling the way you want to feel? And it all has to do with the way you think, your beliefs, and, and how you process what's happening in front of you. So for me, it's not the why, it's the why not. Why not? What's stopping you from taking action? What's stopping you from feeling great? What's stopping you from doing what you want to do in this lifetime? What's stopping you from being at peace with the events that have taken place in your life that are the way they are, they're in the past. It's less about where you're going and, and more about identifying where you have been and where you picked up some of these beliefs along the way before well, you can go forward. Well, it's 100% about where you're going, but really the question is what's stopping you from getting there? It's like, we're all trying to go, right? We're all trying to, and some people move with greater ease, some people move with greater speed. And the question is, if you're not moving as fast or as easily as you want to, what's getting in the way? Let's move that out of the way. And sometimes it's about looking at the past. Sometimes it's just about looking at the present, but mm -hmm. all times it's really about looking at the way you think and how your thinking is impacting you. Because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you don't really have control over much. You don't have control over, you know, economic health conditions. You don't have control mm -hmm. over the environment. Like there's so much you don't have control of. You have control over the way you think. And most of us don't, understand how to take control over that aspect and don't understand how to leverage it to allow to to enable them to get to where they want to go right so there's really, so many forces really well against us there's so many forces against us and we add to it by mm -hmm. debilitating ourselves with our own thinking and 
all I want to do is say, let's eliminate that from our, you know, the challenges out there. Let's, mm -hmm. let's put you on your own team. Let's allow you to help yourself instead of mm. so many people who are fighting themselves internally, right? You're a prime example. You're beating yourself up for not, mm -hmm. for only coming in fourth place. Right. And, and only coming in fourth place in a, in a team sport where there's eight other people in the boat, you know, it's like, it's a very team sport rowing. And, uh, you know, it's like, I took that on as a personal failure as opposed to a team failure. We could so, so dissect the race and all that sort of stuff, but it's sort of not important as it, as it was like, what does it mean to me? Like, like, especially, well, of course, in the moment when you're going for a really big goal, whether it's an Olympic medal or a, a job promotion or, you know, asking someone out or whatever, and you, and you fail, you get rejected, it doesn't happen. Um, of course, it's going to hurt and it's going to sting for a little bit. But you can also then take that and, and, like you said, decide what it means to you and decide how you're going to use that um, to frame that, if you will, to, to move forward in the world. So even the term rejected sounds terrible, right? Like right. I was reject, like I'm a reject, rejected, right. right? And so the truth is if you ask someone out and they say no, why don't we say we were redirected, mm. right? In other words, okay, so that wasn't the right direction. That experience helped me increase my clarity about what I would rather have, the kind of experience I want, the kind of person I wanna be with. So that experience helped me redirect and gain clarity as opposed to that was, you know, that I experienced rejection. Like how is rejection helpful? Even processing yeah. it that way. Let's look at it as redirection. Redirection, that's interesting. So that, that brings up an, an idea that I've heard a lot of people talk about is like, if you want to get a promotion or you want to go out and date a certain type of person, you know, a lot of people say, like, why don't you do the work to become the kind of person who can have the promotion or go date that type of person? And that's sort of a, an internally focused thing. But I'm wondering if that is in any way in contrast to what you're suggesting, which is uh, accept the redirection and, and just move yourself in a different space as you are right now, as opposed to working on yourself. Well, what does working on yourself mean, right? To me, it's a fair question. Right, so, so you're always attracting a match to yourself. So if you don't like what you're attracting, or if you don't like what you're not able to attract, then you know when we say work on yourself, it means let's look at how you're thinking, let's look at what you think that you deserve, and, and let's make some adjustments there. Mm. So when you're talking about working on yourself, you're more talking about the, the, the inner dialogue and the, um, the what it means and like the who I believe I am and, and am not in, in those cases, as opposed to like, let's go gain some skills or let's go like learn how to talk to someone better or sell yes. more or whatever the yes. thing is. Right. I think this is an important thing, right? Like, so if I want to attract someone uh, amazing in my life, but I don't think that I deserve it, or I don't think I'm smart enough or good looking enough, will I attract that kind of person? No. Right. And it's not about whether I am attractive enough or smart enough. It's about whether or not I feel that way. Because when I feel that way, I show up differently. I look in the mirror and I like what I see, right? And I interact differently. I hold my head up taller. I'm perhaps dressed a little differently because I feel differently and on and on and on. So there's a trickle down effect. Now, I, I, I think something that I want to address is 
Like, how do we get there mentally? Is it by standing in the mirror and saying affirmations to ourselves over and over again? Have you heard of that, by the way? Of course, yeah. I think everyone who's, who's into self-development in some capacity has heard about that. So I want to address that. Like, for me, if I'm standing in the mirror and I'm supposed to say to myself, like, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're good looking, you're stunning, whatever, but the back of my head is saying, yeah, right, who am I kidding? The back of my head wins. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not about repeating the same thing over and over again when you're at odds with that thing that you're repeating. Mm -hmm. If you don't truly believe it, it will not take hold. In fact, what's going to happen is you're going to create a greater degree of cognitive dissonance. And what I mean by that is a separation between what you're supposed to think and feel and how you really do think and feel. Yeah. Right? So we don't want to do that. What we want to do is say, so what do I truly believe? And then start to challenge that. Is that true? So if I look in the mirror and I say, man, I'm ugly, I might say, is that really true? What is mm -hmm. actually true? What is actually true is that for my age, I'm okay. I'm pretty good. That's yeah. an improvement over I'm ugly. And we want to keep improving, you know, mm -hmm. climbing up the ladder of better feeling thoughts till we get to a place where we're at ease and we're at peace. You sort of already answered this to some degree, but I'm going to ask you a little deeper. A lot, someone listening to this right now, hopefully is resonating with what you're saying, but they're thinking like, oh my gosh, Kim, like this, this sounds like so much work. Like, I don't know if I can, I can do it. I don't know if I can, you know, do the work to identify these things and even frankly face the demons that I've, I've created for myself to that person who thinks it's going to just suck and it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard. Like, how do you, how do you, what would you say to that person? Um, well, and, and perhaps I'll throw this back at you. Was it hard and painful and did it suck when you went through it? To some degree, I guess, but, but frankly, with, with you, with your system and your coaching, absolutely not in, in retrospect, because it was bite-sized and there was a guide there and there was a process and a system to work inside and, and often like the journaling exercises you, you suggested, it just felt like typing basically or writing and answering honestly and and then you take that step back after a couple of weeks and you're like oh this you know you you have these aha moments yes so you know is it hard at times of course it's hard at times it's hard to look at yourself and understand that you're often the greatest thing standing in in the way of your happiness your success your fulfillment right? All that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do that. It's hard to understand that you're the one that's creating that barrier of blockage. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Having said that, as you release the blockages, you get lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. You get happier and happier, happier. You feel freer and freer. Things come to you with greater and greater ease. And so, yeah, it's a bit hard, but what's on the other end is like huge amount of relief right? It's like, wow, finally, I can feel the light. I can mm -hmm. see the light. I understand where I'm going and how to get there. I feel clearer. I feel calmer. I feel more peaceful. I'm not thrashing about so much. I don't mm -hmm. need to have so much internal conflict or some, so much external conflict. I can just relax for a minute, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so really it's like we can, you can break these things down and, you know, success begets success. Like if you just take that first step and it can just even be a half step um, and, and that will 
hopefully start to snowball. Well, it will. I, I'm a testament to it, especially in your system. But in general, it will snowball for you and it will become addictive and you'll see the results in a tangible way uh, at, at some point, probably pretty early on, if you're willing to just take those first couple of steps. Yeah, I mean, there's work involved. But of course. at the end of the day, like we live our lives and we're so externally focused, like give yourself an opportunity to get to know yourself. Give yourself an opportunity to do the work that makes everything better. Relationships, work, your health, all of it. Give yourself that gift. And we typically don't do that. We don't think we're worth the investment. We're getting to the end of the time, but you said something really interesting there. Um, we don't think we're worth the investment. Like I, I talk about this all the time, especially with my athletic background. We've all had teachers, we've had coaches, we've had you know producers and conductors, and depending on what what we're into. Um, but then we get into the adult world, and we don't have those people anymore. But generally speaking, um, is that general because you think that most people feel they're not worth an investment, or it just is like a, a an idea that like, ah, oh, we're an adult, we should have it figured out by now. Well, it's all of the above. It's, I don't have time. I can't afford it. Who am I to get a coach? Is something wrong with me? Only people who have problems need that and on and on and on. And so they're, you know, or, or it's too expensive or I have other priorities or, you know, I need to take a vacation and that's where I'm spending my money or whatever it is, right? There's always some reason, but what it boils down to is really connecting the dots that say, hey, this experience will be a life-changing experience that will have an impact on me from here on in. It's not a 10-week experience that only lasts for 10 weeks. It's a 10-week experience that lasts a lifetime. And that's what we're really trying to impress upon people. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. Um, before we get to the final section, Kim, if someone is interested uh, in that type of service, where can they go to find it? So best thing to do is come to frameofmindcoaching.com. Again, it's frameofmindcoaching.com. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of stuff on the website, but one of the things that's on the website is a complimentary coaching call. Now, mm -hmm. I want to just quickly tell you a story. So many Please. people take that one coaching call and that one coaching call has made a massive difference. I just got an email from someone saying, hey, I remember the call I had with you two years ago. It was one call. They never signed up for coaching. One call. That call made me actually quit my job and start a business and I'm super successful now. And so I don't even remember what I said on that call, but that call made a massive difference to them, helped them make a truly big life decision that had an incredible outcome for them. So sometimes all you need is a few, literally an hour to just stop and think about how you're thinking about things to help you make really important decisions in your life. We'll circle back to, to the website here in a second, which will be in the show notes, obviously, so you can click on it down there. Um, but I do want to respect the rest of your day because I know you've got a lot going on. So I'm going to transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every okay. show. Are you ready? I'm ready. First question is, uh, what book have you gifted most often? Uh, gifted is my own book, actually, called uh, What You Focus On Grows. But the book that I recommend that is not mine is called uh, The Art of Possibility by a gentleman named Benjamin Zander. And he's the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And he talks about his view of people 
and that view is really enlightening. It's a great read. It's not boring. I encourage you to get it. The Art of Possibilities. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? So as you know, I'm a big uh, proponent of journaling. And so what I would probably do is actually spend an hour with Oprah and talk to her about journaling and, you know, pepper her with journaling questions, but also how do we help the world heal through the, the art of journaling? That's an awesome answer. What is one thing you believe that most people would disagree with you on? So let's talk about empathy for five minutes or two minutes. <laughs> A lot of people believe that one of the most important qualities is to have empathy. And I don't agree. And I'll explain why. Let's really define empathy. What is empathy? Empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of another person and feeling how they feel, feeling their emotional state. So let's imagine that you are walking by and you see someone drowning in a pool. How do you think that they are feeling? Like they need some serious help. Right. They're scared. They're terrified. They're breathless. They're fighting for their lives. If I suddenly felt those feelings, then I would be scared, terrified, and fighting for my life. And in that moment, I would disable myself from being able to help them. Right. That's it. Because I, what yeah. I've done effectively is jump in the, in the pool and start flailing around and drown right beside them. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, empathy is not appropriate. What's appropriate is compassion. I see someone drowning and I, need, I see that they need my help. And so I need to stand firmly on the side of the pool, not jump in with them and feel what they're feeling and reach in and grab them and pull them up. But in order for me to do that, I need to believe that I have the strength to pull them up. I also need to believe that they can be saved, right? Mm -hmm. So empathy is not appropriate here. And a lot of leaders fall into the trap of empathy. And in that moment, they disable themselves from having vision, from being able to lead, from being able to coach someone from a tough spot to a better spot. So I'm probably one of the only people in the world that say, hey, as a leader, empathy is not the skill you're after. That's an awesome answer. Thank you. Um, As a business owner and someone who runs a a big coaching company, I'm curious how you start your day. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. You know what? It depends on the day if I'm traveling or not, but typically I try to wake up early and actually spend a few good minutes with my husband in bed before doing Mm -hmm. anything else. And then I get up and I actually don't start any calls or anything until 11 o'clock normally. And I take that morning time for myself. Uh, you know, I have a trainer, I exercise in the mornings, sometimes I journal, sometimes I do a little reading, but I take that time for myself uh, without any external influences, no phone calls, no appointments, no anything, unless it's a special circumstance. But that's what I do in the morning. It's like I carve out that time for myself. This has been a really awesome interview. You've brought a ton of value to the audience. So thank you for that. You mentioned it earlier, but frameofmindcoaching.com, is there another place online that we can connect with you? We're everywhere. Find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Kim Addis, literally everywhere. And there's like videos, audios, podcasts, interviews, you name it, articles. (laughs) Look for us. Absolutely. Well, I will link to all of those in the show notes. 
Um, so whether you want to go social or you want to uh, go to the website directly and sign up for a free coaching call, which I would highly recommend. I did it personally a couple of years ago, and I can't tell you how valuable it was uh, to go through that experience and the 10 weeks and all of, all of the above. So um, definitely check that out. If any of this resonates with you in the least, Kim, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time with us and uh, uh, really glad to, to know you and to get to build a better relationship with you. It was awesome. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for you know, being in our world. We're so happy to have you. And that does it for today. If you guys want to connect with Kim, head over to frameofmindcoaching.com. I've got that down in the show notes as well as all of their social profiles. And they actually have a podcast too, which I was uh, honored to be a guest on here recently. Um, so you, I have all that linked up down in the show notes. You can connect with them. I would encourage you if this resonates with you in the least to hop on a, on a free uh, one hour call with one of their coaches. Uh, I did that uh, a couple years ago and was really just better for it. And I, and I ended up hiring them so I can absolutely attest to the the fact that their system works and it's super valuable. So, um, take the advice, go over, check it out, see what you think. Um, and obviously if you want to connect with me about it, I've got my Calendly link down in the show notes. Uh, so you can uh, hop on a one-on-one -on -one call with me, ask me any questions you want about it or about the show or just want to connect in general. Definitely not getting paid to promote it. I just know it worked really well for me and made a huge difference in my life. And I'm sure it could do the same for you if any of that's resonating. So take some time, uh, explore their stuff, go check it out. We'll go ahead and sign it off with that. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.